Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. Who's the most generous person that you know? I remember my great-grandfather approaching me at the service. We used to go to church together. And one day he came to give me some money. It was significant, not because of the amount, because it was just a couple bucks, but because I knew that he didn't have much. And so I would turn the money away, but he would always tell me, No, Daniel, no me robes la bendición. Don't rob me of my blessing. You see, my great-grandfather knew the secret, that it was more blessed to give than to receive. One day I needed a suit for some formal event. You guys may remember this story. I can't remember exactly what it was. My great-grandfather heard about my need and being the snazzy dresser he was, he went into his closet and brought me one of the sharpest, nicely pressed navy pinstripe suits you've ever seen. And he gave it to me. He was such a generous man who loved to give. What about this? Who's the most caring person that you know? You know, when I was sick with COVID, A few weeks ago, some of you all reached out to me personally to wish me well. And beyond that, to say if there's anything I can do for you or your family, let me know. And I know for a fact that it came from the most genuine and sincere place. And during that time, I felt extremely cared for and loved. Maybe you've been in a similar position and were sick, but a caring person made you a bowl of soup or ran to the pharmacy to get you your medicine or filled you in on what you missed at the meeting at work. Generosity and a caring attitude are some beautiful attributes. In fact, for those of you that are single and dating, make sure you put those two qualities at the top for a potential spouse before a six-pack of abs and the ability to cook because those two qualities will help create a long-lasting marriage. But did you ever consider these two attributes as descriptors of a church? Generous and caring. Paul is going to make that case for us today that the church in Philippi was both a generous and a caring church to him. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about a couple hot-button issues in regards to church. He's going to begin talking about things like generosity and contentment and partnership. And for one reason or another, people tend to tune out when we talk about things like money within the church context, and I totally get it. It's because unfortunately, over the years, we've had many horrific examples of people in leadership abusing their authority to guilt people into giving. There have been scandals where leadership had taken advantage of resources to meet their own personal needs. There's been the misuse of funds. There's sometimes an overemphasis on money. There's also what we would call the prosperity gospel, which is a false gospel that that says Jesus wants you blessed, not broke. So your urge to sow more seeds in order to reap a greater financial harvest and blessing. So I get why we tend to be so on edge when we talk about money. I personally even get on edge talking about it as the pastor of this church. But here's the truth. It's a darn shame because the Bible is full of lessons on giving and generosity. After all, we serve a generous God who gave. And He didn't give leftovers. He gave His absolute best because God is a caring and generous God. So buckle in, have your notes and pens ready, and take the posture of a learner. Let's allow the Word of God to instruct us, to guide us, and even correct us where necessary. Now, remember, who was Paul to the church in Philippi? He planted the church there. 
He discipled many of the people there. He cared for them deeply. They were his friends and family. He writes over and over again in his letter how he misses them and he longs to see them again. Of course, he can't right now. Why is that? Because he's under house arrest for sharing the gospel. However, the feelings and the affections weren't one way. Of course, we'd hope that the pastor and the founder of a church would care for the people there. But we also see this. Number one, the church in Philippi genuinely cared for Paul. Look at what Paul writes. I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. Two things I want you to notice here. The care and the concern was known by Paul from the Philippian church, but how did he know it? It was demonstrated. So here's the thing. They're concerned about him. They know he's locked up. They know he's isolated. He's away from friendships. He's away from opportunities to work and make a living. I don't know if you guys knew this, but Paul's profession was that he was a tent maker. That's how he brought home the bread. So there's no revenue coming in under house arrest. So the church in Philippi is concerned. And I'm absolutely sure that they're praying for him. But beyond that, they're stepping into action and making sure that his needs, the needs of their pastor, of their founder, are being met. I don't know if you guys remember, but earlier in Philippians, we were met by a man by the name of Epaphroditus, who Paul said they should follow his example. Who was Epaphroditus? You can refresh your memories if you forgot. It's in Philippians chapter 2, or rewatch the message. But Epaphroditus was a guy who was entrusted by the church to deliver a care package to Paul in his time of need. And on his way to Paul, he gets deathly ill, but still gets the package to Paul. And while he's with them, he's a huge help and a source of encouragement to him. And Epaphroditus was proof or, or evidence of the care the church had for Paul. They paid his way to Paul and gave him the care package to deliver. Their care package no doubt had some monetary resources, maybe some food, maybe some personal notes and prayers from the church. They were caring for Paul in his time of need. Okay, so now some time from application. Pray for me, guys. Okay, it's hard to talk about this without sounding self-serving. But here's the thing. This is going to be helpful for all of us now or down the line. You might find yourself at another church and the leadership there will thank me for teaching this to you. The way the church works is God places people in positions of leadership. There's two roads to how leadership can be sustained. You can write this down in the letter A, either co-vocational or bivocational. Co-vocational or bivocational means that the pastor or person in leadership or staff works a regular job to help supplement their income or, in some cases, to be their sole source of income but still work at, at the church and volunteer their time. When Melissa and I incorporated the church, we were still working at a Christian school in Long Island City. When the time got closer to launch the church, we both decided to quit our jobs, and we went all in. I started working with my dad part-time. He owned the dry cleaners on Bushwick and Montrose. It wasn't much money, but it gave me a lot of flexibility to do ministry. Some of you, God might be calling into ministry, and this is the route that you will go. You're not going to leave your job or business because, first of all, there's no way a church could pay what you make in the marketplace. Or it's nothing to do with the money, but it's more of a strategy. You work in the place you live and minister in, so the job gives you opportunities to build relationships and share the gospel. The other road to how leadership can be sustained is through letter B, full-time ministry. Full-time ministry is when your job is your area of ministry, and it's how you get supported. I don't know if you guys know this. Let me let you in on a secret. 
But pastors and church leaders and staff have families too. They have bills to pay, rent, mouths to feed, and it doesn't happen often. But we need a vacation every once in a while as well. And in order for a pastor or church staff, a member to get monetary support, it happens one of two ways. Either from a church's giving or the person has to raise support, which means asking individuals in other churches or ministries to support them. When I started planting, I was bivocational. As time went on, God blessed us, and I'm privileged to say I'm in full-time ministry. He's provided for our family in some amazing and miraculous ways. And this gives me freedom to serve our church and serve our community. And God has not just provided for us, but our church family as well. Last August, we signed a five-year lease on this space. And as small as it is, guess what? It's not free. Neither is the light, neither is the AC, or the chairs you sit on. Plus, consider all the amazing ways God has allowed us to serve our neighbors, like the community service projects we've done, the mission teams that we've hosted, and the events that we've put on, like Fall Festival that's, that's coming up real soon. None of that magically happens. God has provided. How has God done so? It's two parts. It's through the generosity of those of you who give to fuel the mission of Swerve Church. Those who give of your tithes and offerings and honor God financially. Those who know the truth behind the statement, just like my great-grandfather, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And therefore, you lead the way with irrational generosity. The other part is that there are a few churches across the U.S. that love you guys a lot. And they believe in what God is doing in Bushwick. And they take God's word seriously enough that they give to support us. This is the reason why my October and November is going to be extra hectic. I'm going to be traveling to different states with the purpose of bragging on God and what He's doing in our community and every single one of your lives. And while I'm there, I will invite more churches to participate in fueling the mission in Bushwick. Allow me to show you guys a chart. This chart compares the amount of support that came in from outside support versus inside. I have seen God at work even through this back-end stuff that, you know, probably most of you don't even care about, but it never ceases to amaze me. When Melissa and I began chasing this dream of planting a life-giving gospel-centered church, we started with absolutely nothing. No people, no money, no building. We just began with our own savings and investing into this thing. And now, God has not only blessed us with partners who give towards this dream, but a group of people who are as passionate about seeing their lost friends family and neighbors come to know Jesus and give as well. As you guys can see on the chart, last year's budget, a little bit under 60% was funded from outside support. That's a significant amount. But a little less than 40% of our church's budget was funded from within. Those of you who honor God with the tithe and offering. Now, that being said, without the outside support of partner churches, we would be nowhere near to having the scope and reach that Storif has today. So praise God for those churches who get it and support. But I have to be honest with you guys. The older that we get as a church, the harder it will be for us to secure outside support. And what that means is that we have to learn about generosity and be generous to fund the mission and continue making disciples in our neighborhood. And if we get this, let me tell you, why do we need to stop at one swerve church in our community? Why not open up a second site closer to the other side of the neighborhood to reach your friends and your family on that side of the community? Can you guys imagine the impact that we could have if we could create what so many of you love and experience here on a weekly basis in other parts of Bushwick? What about other neighborhoods that are so desperately needing 
of life-giving, gospel-centered churches. And I believe it can happen. I believe there's nothing that is too hard for our God. His heart is to see the lost saved and to empty hell and fill up heaven. But it begins with us. First, how serious do we take the command to make disciples? Are you sharing the gospel with others? Are you helping people grow in their faith? And secondly, how seriously do we take God's word being generous? Are you giving to fuel the mission of God and expand the kingdom of God here through the local church? And if not, why not? Ask the Lord to open your eyes in this area, and I know He will. So the church in Philippi generously gave to serve Paul, and what we see next is Paul's response. And this should hopefully be all our responses upon experiencing generosity. Number two, Paul's response to the church was gratitude. He says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. He rejoiced. Paul's heart was first gratitude to the Lord. The book of James says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And Paul acknowledged that it was God doing the providing. The means by which he did so was through the church. So the generosity of the church in Philippi led Paul to rejoice in God. I just imagine Paul stuck in house arrest, waiting to hear word from Rome, and here comes Epaphroditus, trying to convince the guards to allow him in. He's carrying two large packages on the back of his donkey, or whatever. I don't know how he got there, but just imagine with me. There was no FedEx. And Paul, who thought he was forgotten and all alone, is all of a sudden encouraged and cared for. He's like, yo, Epaphroditus, I was down to my last package of ramen noodles, and the Lord brought you here just in time to care for me in my time of need. And he rejoiced in the Lord greatly. But secondly, he was grateful for the church because they trusted God, even with their finances. Remember, he said that at first they lacked the opportunity to show it, meaning maybe there was a season of scarcity or or lack or whatever reason they weren't able to do it, but now they could. And not only could they, but they did it. And so Paul expresses gratitude for them. Guys, let me just say, I am so grateful first to God. He's been so amazing in providing above and beyond what we could have ever asked, thought, or imagined. If you would have told me eight years ago that we'd have our own little swerve hub and a beautiful, caring, loving, loud, and messy church family, I wouldn't have believed you. But look at what the Lord has done. And let me say that I'm so grateful for every single one of you for hearing the call of God to submit to a church community, to serve your hearts out and give generously and sometimes even sacrificially. Praise God for you, and I thank God for you. A little less than 60% of last year's budget came from the outside, but come on, somebody. You know, 30-something percent came from our little church to fuel the mission of God. We can praise God for that and be grateful. Paul's attitude is gratitude towards the generosity of the church in Philippi. What is your response? Are you grateful for the generosity of others who help fuel the mission of Swerve? Because you should be. You should be grateful for those churches that come from other states to serve us and serve our community and give towards Swerve mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Are you grateful for your church family, the people that you get to do life with, who you encourage and pray with, and who encourage and pray with you? Are you grateful for the the people in your church who give generously and give sacrificially so that we can create a warm and welcoming environment for our neighbors who are far from God? They can come in and enjoy. Are you grateful for the impact that our little church has been able to have on this block and in our community? How we've been able to feed our neighbors hot dogs and make snow cones and 
throw a dinner party for the children of incarcerated parents and have community movie nights so families can have a safe place to spend time together and feed 50 to 70 families every Thursday at the Bethany House Food Pantry and help beautify the backyards of some of the buildings in our community that are providing low-income neighbors with affordable housing and give away thousands of eggs at Maria Hernandez Park for our Easter egg hunt and how we've given away hundreds of coats to help our neighbors stay warm and do you need me to go on? Are you grateful for all of that? Well, how grateful are you? Grateful enough to move from consumer to contributor? To honor God even with your finances? To push the mission of God even further? Grateful enough to get off of the sidelines and jump in and serve? To serve in kidsmen? To serve with hospitality? To serve in our upcoming outreaches? To serve your neighbors right where you live? You see, guys, the reason we can be generous, the reason we can speak unashamedly about generosity is because we serve a God who's extremely generous. And maybe you never quite read this verse this way, but allow me to showcase the generosity of God through it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world in this way, He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Our God is a generous God who generously gave so that we might be called children of God. He sent Jesus to live a perfect and sinless life, who suffered a horrific death, and who conquered the grave so that all who would call upon the name of Jesus would be delivered from their sin and waywardness and be delivered to the embrace of a loving and caring Father. We see God's generosity in the God-man Jesus, who is also generous. This is why Paul writes elsewhere this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus freely gave his life as the perfect sinless Lamb of God. And because the emphasis is generosity, and God gives us his, gives us his Son, and Jesus freely gave of his life, the only thing you have to do with the gift is receive it. And if you haven't made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, if you haven't received this gift, you have an opportunity to do so today. And then because God is a caring and generous God, and we are made in His image and likeness, we can be caring and generous. Because Jesus gave sacrificially and generously from a heart of gratitude, we can give sacrificially and generously. The Church of Philippi was a caring and generous church. Let us ascribe to being a caring and generous people because we serve a caring and generous God. Paul's response was gratitude to their generosity. Let us become a grateful people and rejoice in the Lord for the generosity of others, the generosity of one another. And let us be so grateful that we in turn respond with generosity. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us to be a loving and generous church. We thank you, Father, for your generosity and provision. Give us grateful hearts for the work you're doing in and through us. May we forever give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?